The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good? This is the look ahead part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and with me, as always, from Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. What's up, RJ? Happy draft, Miss Stats. Pleased to be with you. Very excited for the next couple of days in the NFL. Uh, it feels like we're walking down the stairs to the tree. Can't quite open the presents yet. Like we all have to line up, and like you know, the adult in the room has to like say, "Okay, Stats, you get to go third. RJ, you get to go tenth. And you know, it's it is very exciting nonetheless. Uh, but I would not rather be here with anybody else. If if somebody said you can have anybody in the entire solar system to be here with you on the look ahead i would say i wanted to be rob stats career wow well you're not alone in that by the way mario cap gave us a review on itunes we always appreciate it rate review and subscribe to the sb nation nfl show five star review thank you mario quote stats and rj great job excellent podcast thanks for being kind to us eagle fans we are already low enough Appreciate it, Mario. Hope Luigi and Princess Peach are all doing well. Um, I mean, people people love RJ and Stats. What can I say, Rob? I think it's Stats and RJ, but we, <laughs> we can. I'll let that one slide. We've got a lot to do today. We're going to update you on the latest draft news before the big night begins, and we are going to talk to not one, but two quarterbacks in today's show. You're going to hear from North Dakota State's Trey Lance and Texas A&M's Callan Mond, who you got to interview, RJ, and I couldn't help but notice you really gave him a lot of love for his work at Texas A&M. Well, as a fighting Texas Aggie myself, Kellen Mond is responsible for a lot of my greatest memories. Um, something we talked uh, a bit about, a bit of a spoiler for the interview, uh, was the thrilling seven-overtime win over LSU, A&M's first win over LSU since moving back to the SEC. Um, and I told him, I've, I've spoken to Jay Sternberger before, the now Green Bay Packers tight end about that game, and he told me something I found really fascinating. He said that that was the only game in his life where he has ever had to ask somebody what time it was. Like, because he, he was literally just like, what time is it? Like, it's, it, we're playing forever here. So, uh, but Kellen Mon was awesome. Um, and he did not give a shout out to you, though. That was the only demerit against him. Yeah. Well, nobody's perfect. That's why he's going to go in the second or third round. I'm just, just throwing that out there. All right. Let's get to some of the latest draft news. Uh, this came from Jay Glazer, which I think is fascinating because Glazer is like the groundhog of NFL insiders. He does nothing all year. Then all of a sudden he'll pop up and drop this huge story and then go back down into his hole again for another year. But he said on an Instagram live session that the Ravens 
have actually inquired about Julio Jones with the Atlanta Falcons. He said that it's probably unlikely that a trade happens because Julio's contract is brutal. He gets a 15.3 guaranteed salary this year, a base salary this year, I should say. He's 32 years old. It might not happen, but the Ravens need a receiver, RJ, and Atlanta seems motivated to move Julio Jones. Yeah, I really do believe that Julio will be playing elsewhere come week one. I don't know if that move happens before the draft, during the draft, or after the draft, but it does seem uh, inevitable at this point. Uh, something that once was inevitable was a purple-themed monster establishing a great reign of power, which seems like it might be happening for the Ravens if they're the team to ultimately land Julio. Um, and we kind of trashed. I think that's a bit aggressive, but uh, certainly we're not fond of the Ravens coming up shy in the Kenny Galladay sweepstakes. Obviously, Allen Robinson never hit the market, but if the Ravens walk away with Julio Jones, I mean – I, I found it perplexing enough that they were willing to give the Chiefs of all teams help by trading Orlando Brown to them. Um, and so that that really kind of set them back in the AFC race in my mind. But landing Julio, I mean, th- there has been almost no move made since Lamar Jackson established himself as an MVP to really kind of help him. And so this... I don't want to say this would make up for the lack of moves, but it would it would go a lot, it would put a dent in that idea. And it, it just lengthens your lineup. Like when you add a great cleanup hitter in baseball, you get Julio Jones if you're Baltimore as your number one target. Then all those tight ends you got start to look a little better. Hollywood Brown looks a little better as a number two as opposed to a number one. It just makes everything easier. And the clock is tick, tick, ticking in Baltimore because Lamar Jackson's rookie deal is running out. And you know, as well as anybody, RJ, the best thing in the world you can have is a really good quarterback on a rookie contract. And we've seen teams willing to sort of make big moves and say, screw the salary cap. The Rams paid a zillion dollars to get rid of Jared Goff. The Eagles paid even more money, the biggest dead cap hit in NFL history to get rid of Carson Wentz. If I'm Baltimore, I almost say, like, whatever with the salary cap. Like, we'll figure it out. Julio has got a couple of good years left in him, like peak Julio years. Why not make this move, bring him in, and see where you get in the AFC because you're going to need the help. I agree entirely, especially, obviously, when you factor in the financial side of this. Lamar Jackson isn't just a really awesome quarterback who will need his first extension in the NFL. He is a really awesome quarterback who has already won an MVP. And whether you believe or not that his stock dipped as a result of the 2020 season, the reality is that that is still on his mantle. That is still a negotiating chip. I mean, that is an impossible thing to just completely disregard in in all financial conversations. Um, So, I mean, when you think about this, John Harbaugh already said this week that they were going to pick up, you know, Lamar's fifth year option, which they would be really stupid not to do. I, I think that, you know, they need to they need to help him. And what's more, like the most important thing here, stats, Julio would look sick in a Ravens uniform. I mean, just absolutely unreal, ice cold sick. Um, and I, I honestly can't think of a team that I would rather see Julio go to. If, if Julio's not going to be a Falcon, which will feel awkward enough, I want him to be a Raven. Why? I just think that fits like what where like people toss out like the Patriots like that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you throw out, you know, you throw out the Ravens. That just is a logical fit um, in terms of need, like who needs a receiver more than Baltimore. We mentioned like they, they did not walk away with one. So who needs one more than the Ravens? Who who has a quarterback? Who has a Batman looking for a Robin? Not to lump Julio into Robin status, but like there's nobody like that except for Baltimore. I mean, even Daniel Jones got help. 
<laughs> Boy, you now you've you're roping in the Giants. I know that's not a good sign if you're the Ravens. You don't want to be connected to the Giants in any way. And for Atlanta, it makes sense too. You could move Julio Jones, you get some extra draft picks, you've got to rebuild that roster. You know, who knows what they do at four? There was a report that the Patriots were talking to them about number four. You know, if the Niners do take Mac Jones and Trey Lance and Justin Fields are there for Atlanta could get a nice package. If they decide to move down, they could leave this draft with a bunch of picks either this year or next year and really put themselves in a position to rebuild after the Julio Jones, Matt Ryan era. I also think if you're Atlanta um, and I feel like teams don't learn lessons soon enough at all in general in the NFL, but look at what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals and AJ Green. They held on too long and you don't want to be that team. And like respect, you want to, you know, pay respect to your legends and you want to like cherish as much time as you possibly can with them. But I mean, people had been floating out Cincinnati trading AJ Green for years, right? And they never did. They never did. They never did. And now like everybody lost, even AJ lost. Like, yeah, he's on the Cardinals, but like, who cares? I mean, if, if AJ had been allowed to thrive somewhere in his twilight years, I mean, that would have been better for him and Cincinnati would have got something else out of it. And so I hope that Atlanta learns that lesson. And while I agree with you that, that Julio certainly has some some time left where he could be a legitimate wide receiver in the NFL, I mean, that's that's not lining up with Atlanta's timeline as far as I think you and I are concerned. Right. Like, what is the benefit to you if you're the Falcons of keeping Julio Jones around for another year or two? Like, yeah, you'll be better on offense than you would be without him. But so what? In the grand scheme of things, you're not going anywhere. Make use of the asset. Do right by Julio put him on a contending team and do right by the long-term needs of your organization by getting the draft picks back. It makes too much sense. So I agree with your prediction, RJ, that he's going to be somewhere else very soon. Speaking of somebody that could be somewhere else very soon, Jimmy Garoppolo's name has <laughs> surfaced. I know that some people don't want to believe it. There were reports on Wednesday night that the Patriots were working on a new deal for him. And there were also reports from other Patriot guys like Tom Kern of NBC Sports Boston, who says that nothing is cooking with Jimmy Garoppolo. I can tell you, RJ, do not listen to anybody that says that the Niners are going to hang on to him, that the chances of a trade are remote. He's getting moved. As Kyle Shanahan said, he can't guarantee that anybody in the world is going to be alive on Sunday, let alone on the 49ers roster. He didn't say that by accident. Jimmy G is getting traded somewhere. I find this to be like a, a really great social exercise, honestly, like the status of Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not quite Schrodinger's cat, uh, but it's in that neck of the woods uh, because there are at least a majority. I don't know that it's an entirety, but a majority of Niners fans, you as their ringleader, that want to see Jimmy Garoppolo gone. And I honestly can't believe that you are so anxious to put him in the hands of the lone team that made him look desirable to another squad, yours in particular. And I just feel like it is a really – we've talked before about how there's like a level of arrogance to the Niners, which isn't a bad thing. Um, and, I mean, what if what if this happens? Like, what if you get your wish and and he goes to New England and he balls out? And like, so I just find that really interesting that there's this, like, incredible desire to just dismiss this player. And I don't think he's great by any means myself, but um, I do find it interesting. I don't think New England is is the landing spot because when was the last time the Patriots did anything predictable? Like, when was the last time they, they connected the, the obvious dot? I agree, but when was the last time they spent a billion dollars in free agency, which they did this year? I think they're switching it up. I know, but, like, does Jimmy Garoppolo make them better than they are with Cam Newton? 
we've talked before about Cam obviously dealt with a lot last year and, and, and dealt with the after effects of COVID himself. I mean, the Patriots dealt with a lot and obviously their culture, and I don't mean the like that they had like this inward collapse, but was rocked by Tom Brady leaving. And I mean, it's it was a very different year of sorts. It one that's kind of like fair to sort of establish as a potential outlier in a really, really particular way. And so, yeah, like if they didn't have Cam, I mean, I could totally see this as like some sort of desperate move, but like this is not quite the Broncos trading for Teddy Bridgewater while having Drew Locke on the roster. But I, I mean, like he's not even better than Cam. So why would they do it? Who That's who a- would trade for Jimmy? Like who? Who would do it? I think a lot of teams would do it. Look, there no. are teams. Dude, somebody just gave up something to get Teddy two gloves. All right. Teddy Bridgewater just got traded. If you're telling me Jimmy Garoppolo is not better than Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I'm telling you that. <laughs> I feel very and I don't think Teddy's good. I mean, but like you can't and I'm not totally accusing you of this, but you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth and be like, Jimmy's trash. Jimmy's awful. I am president of the Jimmy Garoppolo sucks fan club. And then like out of the other side, be like, well, somebody's definitely going to give up something for him. I'm like, no, I think he's he's either the 49er starter or he's cut. Like those are the only options that make sense in my mind. I think someone's going to give up, even if it's only a late round pick. I'm not saying they're going to get two first round draft picks back for him. I mean, Carson Wentz went for multiple picks and he had the worst year you could possibly have last year. Like, you know, guys get traded for picks. Somebody out there is going to say that they could fix him. Like, that's just how it works in this league. So who needs a, a like we we talked about how Baltimore is the the obvious like dot connection for Julio or arbitrary wide receiver X. Now that Denver traded for Teddy Bridgewater and, you know, Later tonight, a handful of teams will have new quarterbacks. Who still needs a quarterback of Jimmy Garoppolo's status, so to speak? I mean, the Patriots, obviously, we talked about. The Bears, potentially, I could see making a move for Jimmy G. Even if it was a team like Pittsburgh that wants, you know, to move on from the Ben Roethlisberger era, I would throw them in there. The Texans are general managed by Nick Casario. Granted, I don't know what assets they have in the cupboard at this point to make a move. But he, I mean, he drafted Jimmy G, so maybe he sees some value there for them. Their quarterback situation is like the most, you know, up in the air situation in the whole league, considering everything going on with Deshaun Watson. There are teams out there, I'm telling you, somebody's going to want them. And the Niners, they want him off the team. They don't want him there when they start this new era with their quarterback. You can't have the ex in the house when you bring in the new girlfriend. I just think of the teams you mentioned. Cam is better than Jimmy. I'd still even rather have Andy Dalton than Jimmy, especially at the financial values associated for Cam and Andy. I would honestly rather have Terod Taylor than Jimmy. And and that's Houston's plight if, if Deshaun Watson is something. And so, I mean, Pittsburgh is interesting, I suppose, like as an heir apparent. But like Jimmy's not this young pup anymore. Like Jimmy was drafted seven years ago. Like, you know, so it's not this like, well, let's like it, he's not in the same Darnold category of like, let's get the the still raw quarterback that we can work with. Like, no, this is who Jimmy is at this point. And so like if you're Pittsburgh and you're hitching your wagon to like if you, you talk about bringing an X or keeping the X in the house, like if you want to bring the new new one in while you we still have the active one in and Ben Roethlisberger, it better be like a supreme new new one. And Jimmy's not that. So like it's not worth bringing in all the drama that Jimmy Garoppolo would provide just by being the future quarterback, it, just off of who he is and his merits alone. Last thing I'll say before we get to our Trey Lance interview. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo with a decent offense and a really good defense get to a Super Bowl. What do the Pittsburgh Steelers have? Decent offensive personnel and a really good defense. Just throwing that out there. 
I know, but I also heard that Kyle Shanahan's scheme can make any quarterback look great, and Jimmy Garoppolo, by definition, is any quarterback, and so he's being abandoned. So <laughs> nobody else has that jawline, though. So just keep that in mind. I mean, Truth. you go from Ben Roethlisberger to Jimmy G. Like, no offense to Big Ben, but Jimmy G. That's a step up. That's true, and he would look good in the Pittsburgh color scheme. Like, you could just see him also, like at a Pirates game, you could see him like dropping the puck at a Penguins game. Like, he would he would blend in with that. He'd go to Permanis. You know what I mean? I could see all that. <laughs> All right, well, he's not obviously getting drafted. Some team that wants a quarterback would probably prefer to have Trey Lance because he'd be a hell of a lot cheaper than Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be. I had the chance to talk with Trey Lance earlier this week. We're going to play that interview for you, and we'll react on the back end. We are very privileged and excited to be talking to a man who could be one of the top three picks in the draft, and that is Trey Lance. Good morning, Trey. What is up? Good morning. Thank you guys so much for having me. Looking forward to it. So, okay, you went to North Dakota State, and I happen to host a Niners Nation podcast with somebody that lived in North Dakota. And he told me to ask you, when you go to a restaurant and you get French fries, and we start with the hard-hitting questions here, are you dipping the French fries in ketchup, or are you dipping them in ranch? A ranch. I'm a ranch guy. A ranch guy? Were you a ranch guy before you went to North Dakota State? Probably not, no. But don't don't knock it till you try it. I will say that. Man, I'm I'm stunned here that you're going like, you know that ketchup exists, right? Like it. Yeah. You've had ketchup. I mean, like ranch on pizza too, right? What? Oh my goodness! Who is this kid? Where do we find him? <laughs> Trey, I'm not gonna lie. You just went down my draft board a little bit with that answer. <laughs> so let's say you do go out with a team, an NFL team takes you out. What would be your order? as we follow up with another hard hitting question. I'm usually, depending on where we're at, I'm thinking like some type of, you know, maybe like a salad, like a chicken salad or like a, a pasta. Um, definitely going to stay away from the French fries. And All right. We're getting pretty, warmer. That's pretty good. I guess you're back up the draft board a couple of spots. Now, look, by Friday at, 10 o'clock Eastern, you're going to know where you're living. You're going to know who your teammates are. I imagine the night before the draft, it's going to be tough to get some sleep because there's going to be a lot going on in your life. But I know that you're going to try to combat that a little bit with the sleep number bed. So how does the pre-draft jitters work against the sleep number? Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to be partnered with sleep number. For me, it's, it's a perfect partnership because uh, I've always been, been big on my sleep and my recovery. Um, and, and definitely, you know, my sleep IQ store on the, on the app uh, for my sleep number 360 smart bed uh, is awesome. It, it's huge for me. And it's, I think it's going to be a game changer in the future. I know it is uh, just because I can track my sleep, track my recovery and make sure that I'm, you know, on track to be set up for success uh, for game day or whenever that big day is. Okay. I heard you had a conversation with Dak Prescott and you told Dak Prescott that your bedtime was eight o'clock up until you could drive. Are you telling me that your freshman year of high school, you were not awake for halftime of Monday night football? See, it might've been until maybe my freshman year, just because of sports. That was really the big reason. Uh, but like, as far as like my parents taking my phone at night, you know, so I'm not on it, staying up all night. Like, yeah, that was probably until I could drive. Trey, do you think you're going to sleep the night before the draft? Speaking of sleep number, like how do you think, are you going to be so revved up that you're going to be amped up, not going to be able to sleep? Or how's that going to go? 
man, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be super excited, obviously, the night before. Uh, but at the same time, man, whether it's my pillows from sleep number or my bed, like as soon as I hit my bed, I, I'm usually knocked out pretty quick. Uh, it's just unbelievably comfortable. Uh, so I'm, I don't worry about it too much, uh, but I'm definitely, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, I'm be wired up and excited for Thursday. Now, I'm sure you're ready for this to be over because it's a long process for us just covering the draft. It's got to be a long process for you. What is the most frustrating thing you've heard about yourself in this whole process? Um, you know, I don't really take it to heart too often. Uh, so, like, I hear all the, obviously, the FCS level, the 17 games, the being 20 years old uh, is a big one as well. I mean, those are things that I can't control. Uh, so, I mean, I don't worry about them too much. Uh, obviously, you know, it's just another thing that I kind of add to the list. Uh, add another chip on my shoulder, uh, another person to prove wrong, whatever it is. Um, but I'm just looking forward to it. Like, you know, like you said, at this point, uh, it's been a long process, but, you know, it's coming to an end now. I'm looking forward to, you know, like you said, having teammates again, having an organization that wants me. As far as feedback goes from the NFL, what, what are some of the things that they've told you that you could improve on as a player? Um, accuracy, being more aggressive with the football. Um, you know, just playing more, playing more games, you know, as everyone knows, you know, playing 17 games is it's not a whole lot. Uh, and I understand that, but I also, you know, wouldn't be in a position if I didn't believe myself and if, if my people around me and my team didn't believe in me as well. So when I watch you, it seems like the accuracy, the playing, the, you know, throwing the ball to people being aggressive, that will come just by playing more. It seems like you'll be able to figure out what you need to do. Uh, you'll be able to feel, figure out, you know, the speed of the NFL, all of that. Do you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like like I said, I wouldn't be in this position. I wouldn't have made this decision if I didn't think I was going to be successful doing it and this wasn't the best, you know, opportunity and situation for me to be in. Um, so, yeah, the last six, seven months, me not having a season was was you know, a blessing and a curse, uh, learned a ton, got to meet a ton of people and got to, to throw a lot um, and be critiqued on just about everything, you know, more than I thought was possible. But it's, it's a good thing. And that's what I love. And, you know, this is what I signed up for. So obviously, that's what I love to do. One of the people you've gotten the chance to meet and work with is John Beck, who has worked with a lot of guys. I think he was working with Justin Fields as well. What are some of the things that John Beck taught you in this process? Uh, we focus a lot on, you know, similar things. Uh, we focus a lot on my lower body uh, when I was out there with John in, in California and uh, getting my lower body going. Uh, and really, you know, my, my biggest thing was I wasn't using my lower body as much as I could. Um, so it's just getting most, the most out of my throws and getting the most out of, uh, of my ability. Um, so that was the biggest thing that we focused on with John. Also got to watch a ton of tape, uh, whether it's my tape or NFL tape, uh, and learned a ton from him. You know, obviously he played the position. Um, at, at a really high level. Uh, so he's a person that's, that's super mindful and understands the game and understands the position. Were you surprised when you were asked to go work with Beck? And was there any resistance, you know, after building a relationship, after having worked with Quincy Avery? Um, yeah, Quincy understood the situation. It really wasn't uh, exactly about that. Uh, I think people didn't realize uh, Carson was going to be out there as well as Easton Stick, who was the quarterback um, who lives out there. Um, so it's kind of an opportunity to to work out with those guys. You know, I got to throw with Easton, got to throw with Carson, got to sit down with Sam Darnold, Kyle Allen, you know, um, Josh Allen, uh, got to throw with Gardner, got to watch, you know, uh, Jared Goff throw. You know, it was me about being being able to be out there, and I know how many guys John and Adam and, and Taylor work with. Um, so me being able to be out there was, was super exciting for me and, you know, being able to compare myself and, and compete with those guys on the field as well as, you know, obviously, like I said, uh, meet with those guys in the, in the meeting room and learn as much as I possibly can. Uh, so 
so for me it was about learning you know and getting better and, and Quincy understands the situation we're still you know real close obviously uh, and we'll continue to work together in the future you know I, I, my biggest thing is I want to learn as much as I possibly can and, and different quarterback coaches and trainers you know teach different things or maybe just the same things in different ways um, so I'm going to continue to do everything I can to, to learn as much as I possibly can. Did you talk to those guys, maybe specifically Carson, about what it's going to be like your rookie year making the jump from NDSU to the NFL? Yeah, I've talked to him a ton, and I, I, I talked to him probably more about it uh, before I made my decision, uh, you know, because I wanted all the information. I wanted blunt feedback. Um, you know, if they didn't think I was ready for this this jump or whatever it was, I you know, I trusted they would have said that or they would say that. Um, so yeah, Carson's biggest advice was just stay true to who I am. And I think that holds true in, in anything you do. Um, and, and obviously the type of person Carson is a type of competitor Him playing as well as he did his rookie year. Um, and now, you know, super excited for him, obviously in his next step in Indy. Um, he's the type of person that, that obviously I want to be like, he's, he's a role model to me. Um, and his biggest thing he says to me now is he can't let to compete against me. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it for sure. It has to be invaluable to have that kind of resource in Carson Wentz, who went early, who went to North Dakota State, and be able to lean on him for that type of information. So speaking of quarterbacks who went early, you are going to go early. Have you received any sort of draft day promises like, hey, if you're there, we're going to take you? And my follow-up to that would be, everybody ever says, I don't care where I play. That's not true. Everybody wants a team. Who do you want to play for, Trey Lance? Uh, I really just – my biggest thing is going into a good situation. Um, I don't really have anything in mind, uh, just a good situation, organization that wants me. And at the end of the day, obviously the team that picks me is going to be uh, the team that wants me. Um, so I'm super excited for that, just to, to have teammates again, like you guys mentioned early. And, and there really aren't any bad situations, you know, in the position I'm in at this point. So it's just for me, just learning about getting to an organization, learning as much as I possibly can and competing. Um, and like you said, just about Carson. Yeah, he's, he's one of those people that I will lean on for as long as I'm, you know, playing football or just as long as I'm, you know, a human being, uh, he, he's just a great person to look up to. I could be biased. Cause like I said, I host the Niners nation podcast, but I'm going to point out there are some situations that are a little better than others. If you happen to go number three, you'd be coming into a roster that was pretty damn good. That was just in the super bowl. You'd be coached by Kyle Shanahan. Do you think it's possible for a team with a rookie quarterback to win a super bowl? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Carson's a great example, again, uh, of how well he played his rookie year. Um, like I said, my biggest thing is coming in first and, and earning respect to my teammates and everyone in the organization um, and learning as much as I possibly can. And at that point, you know, whatever my role is uh, for week one, I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. Uh, obviously, I'm going to compete for the spot. You know, I signed up for this because I want to play football. Um, that's what I love to do. So I'm looking forward to it. So you've, missed, you've mentioned, you know, Carson Easton, Throughout this draft process, have you made any other friends with some of the prospects that will be drafted this year? Have you be, have you became close with any other guys? Yeah, I'm pretty close with uh, Justin and Zach, uh, and they're both great dudes, great people. Um, and man, I'm rooting for all these guys. Uh, but I've I've had the opportunity to spend a lot more time with Justin and Zach, uh, and I just know the type of people they are, the type of competitors. Um, you know, I want the best for for everyone in this draft class. I want this draft class to be really, really special. Um, and I think it can be just with the, the amount of talented guys and hardworking guys that we have in it. Um, so I'm rooting for those guys, quarterbacks from, from top to bottom, everyone. Uh, but those two specifically are the guys that I've, I've gotten to know throughout this process. So you strike me as a pretty nice guy, but sometimes when you play quarterback in the NFL, you can't always be the nice guy. If you are whoever you're playing for, you know, you run a play, maybe it's an incomplete pass, and one of your receivers comes back and is like, Trey, damn it, man, I was open. You got to get me the ball. 
What's your response to that? I think everything starts with a mutual level of respect. And I'm not going to be on the field if my teammates don't have that level of respect for me and, and vice versa. Um, so, uh, you know, handling that situation, you know, is different, obviously, depending on the guy. Uh, but I'm going to obviously get to know my teammates first and foremost and earn that respect before I get on the field, obviously. Um, so I guess, it, like you said, it, it depends on the person. Um, but and they, if they were wrong or they were wrong, if they were right, they were right. You know, they probably weren't lying if they were saying that. Uh, but obviously, like I said, everything starts with that mutual level of respect. Trey, I don't want you to take offense to this, but I don't think you're a nice guy because I've seen you run over guys that are much, much bigger than you, and no nice guy would do that. Um, speaking of running, we did not get to see you run the 40. How have you been training? Like, what have your times been? Uh, when, I, when I was training my 40 times, uh, I think we're pretty consistent around four or five worm laser. Um, that was pretty consistent throughout my training pre-draft, you know, before my first pro day. Uh, yeah, decided not to run my 40 or do my testing. Just wanted to focus on throwing. Wanted to focus on, you know, me not having senior receivers at, at North Dakota State. Focus on getting my timing and everything down for my pro day uh, with those receivers that I had never thrown to before. Uh, and I think we did a great job with it. Had a ton of fun. And, and obviously, I think it worked out for the best. If you, Justin, and Zach ran a 40-yard dash, who's winning that race? <laughs> I don't know. We'd have to wait and see. Uh, I don't know. I've never ran with those guys specifically. Um, I saw Justin's 40, though. Justin can go, without a doubt. Uh, he, he's special, for sure. Uh, has super special abilities. And like I said, man, the type of people those guys are, I, you know, I want them. I know they're going to be successful for a really long time. Trey, you've seen my background. I got Nipsey. I got Marley. Who is your walkout song? Like, what would, who would you walk out to? Um, so my walkout song on draft day is sold out dates. Uh, gonna sold out. Dave, ton, of, ton, of, ton of Polo G, ton of Baby, ton of uh, man. I've I've been listening to Juice World, uh, big Chicago rapper guy. That's about as close as I get being from Minnesota. Trey Lance, thank you very much for the time. Good luck. Try to enjoy the rest of this process. You know, hopefully now. By now, all the hard work is done, and you can just relax and, and reap the benefits. It's going to be a great night for you on Thursday. Thanks for the time. Thanks to Sleep Number for hooking us up with you, and uh, congratulations, and hopefully you wind up in a 49ers jersey. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we're <laughs> talking you to you on so Thursday. Much. Absolutely. That's the plan. Appreciate you guys. Ooh, did you hear that right at the end there, RJ? I did. I, uh, I heard somebody caping for something uh, and I heard somebody um, potentially just letting them down easy. You know, that's that's the way I heard it. Um, I, I do find it interesting that Trey Lance would say that that's the plan. Um, obviously, you know, one of many people who could be the 49ers quarterback at this point in time. Um, how did that make you feel stats like that's that's what this that's the important question here. Like, did you get butterflies or were you indifferent? Like, what was that moment like for you? He just seems so relaxed to me. It struck me as a kid that even though he's only 20, like he's, first of all, he's just ready for this whole process to be done. But also he doesn't seem like he's going to be starstruck by anything or like, wow, now I'm in the NFL. Like, no, he's, he's ready to go. He wants to just get the process going. And I like that, you know, because there's going to be a ton of pressure on whoever gets picked and you got to be able to handle that. That's very cool. Well, um, a very, very, very promising individual. Um, I'm very excited. Is What's what's your your power ranking of potential Niners quarterbacks right now? Where where is he in terms of likelihood in your mind? He's second to me. It's Fields one, Lance two, Jones three. Oh my goodness, you're setting yourself up for quite the fall. Um, actually, uh, while while we're talking about this stats, I saw this uh, this tweet on um, on Wednesday night from uh, the one and only PFT commenter. Did you see this tweet? 
I'm not a PFT commenter fan, but go ahead. Okay. Well, still, you know, I think you would admit that, you know, has had some scoops and stuff before, you know, certainly well connected. Anyway, uh, might be a joke, might not, but just for the purposes of exploring every potential opportunity, and this would impact Trey Lance to a large degree. Uh, PFT commenter tweeted, just got this text from an anonymous scout slash wrong number. Obviously, I'm getting a bit of a ha-ha in there. Uh, head on a swivel, 17-dimensional chess being played by the Jets. The, it's a, a screen grab of a text message that says, big surprise tomorrow night. Fields is going two and Wilson three. Salah and the Niners talked before the trade and kept it between them. The Niners traded up during the Wilson Pro Day. Um, what, how, what would that do to you? Because First it, of all, I don't think that's crazy at all. I have said I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all that Wilson goes two to the Jets. And I, from what Fields. I have... I'm sorry, yes, Fields goes two to the Jets. And <laughs> from what excited. I have heard, Kyle Shanahan loves Zach Wilson. So if that did go down, he would run to the podium because he would absolutely love that from what I've heard. Okay, then... then- Give me the power ranking again. So, you know, now you have to include all four of them. Okay. Um, and and the, the Wilson pick obviously carries with it the implication that New York takes Justin Fields himself. Okay, I think it's much more likely. The most likely possibility is Wilson two to the Jets, Fields three to the Niners. The second most likely possibility is Fields to the Jets, Wilson to wow. the Niners. So you think that's more likely than Wilson of the Jets and your boy who you just talked to, who you talked up at the end, Trey Lance goes to the Niners. Yeah, I think it is because I think that they asked Trey Lance to work with John Beck. He did. They went to the pro day. They were in and out of the, the Lance pro day in like three hours. Wheels down at the pro day, wheels back up again in like three hours. They, I think it was, let's just double check. Okay, he is what we thought. He doesn't do things as well as the other guys. We're out of here. Goodbye. Wow, look at you. Okay, so then you you think it is more likely that the Jets take Justin Fields and the Niners take Zach Wilson than just that the Niners end up with Mac Jones. You're defying almost every mock draft in the universe right now. You don't trade up from 12 to 3 because you like Mac Jones. You trade up from 12 to 3 because you don't like Mac Jones. Come on now, let's not get crazy. I just will say I absolutely cannot wait to hear your first podcast on any SB Nation platform if Mac Jones is the pick. If you uh, watch the Niners Nation live stream tonight, you will be able to hear my first reaction live as it happens. Mm, You're live streaming. I'm live streaming over at Blogging the Boys. It's a night full of content everywhere stats. Yeah, we are going to be, we're going to be on the team sites, like you said, and then the course, the SB Nation NFL Draft Live Show, which is streaming from the SB Nation Facebook pages and the SB Nation Twitter pages. Subscribe to those now, by the way, so you don't miss it. We are going to be there all night long. We're going to have guests from all 32 NFL communities come on and react live to the picks. And most importantly, RJ, we want to answer people's questions. Like that's a big part of this is that we want to talk with people instead of just talking at them. I agree entirely. Um, I heard there was supposed to be a conga line. Not sure if you heard that same rumor that I did, Uh, but very excited for the, um, you know, People think that like the Avengers was the biggest like, you know, cross assimilation <laughs> of different universes. No, no, no. It's the SB Nation NFL show during the 2021 NFL draft. But, um, you know, something else uh, that features people who I guess could star in superhero movies uh, was an interview that I had, as we mentioned earlier up top between myself and fighting Texas Aggie quarterback Kellen Mond. 
It's an interview stats that I know that you are going to enjoy. And I know that I enjoy it. And what's more is I know that everybody is going to enjoy it. So I don't want to stop them from listening to it any longer. Here is Kellen Mond after the break. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Pleased to be joined now by the one, the only, the internationally famous son of San Antonio, son of IMG, a fighting Texas Aggie like myself, the one and only Kellen Mon. Kellen, how's it going? Everything is great. Uh, just like I said, trying to uh, get prepared for this NFL draft and um, just really, you know, we're getting closer and closer. So just excited for the opportunity that's going to present itself. So um, I want to ask you about the draft prep because I know nobody has, uh, but I have to get to um, my selfish questions first because um, I am a fighting Texas Aggie. So I have to know what is your favorite A&M uniform combination to wear? You know, I would probably say the best looking um, is the all white. Um, but, you know, I, we haven't worn that since my freshman year at UCLA, my first game. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's more of a superstition type of thing or something that uh, Coach Fisher kind of implemented within the uh, within the um, uniforms. But uh, I would probably say the best looking one. If we were able to wear that my last year, that would have been dope. Yeah, I think any white helmet I'm on board with, which I know is is not countercultural. But, you know, there's a lot of Aggies that prefer the maroon and like the wrecking crew look yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so it is what it is. You're, you are from San Antonio, Military City, USA, and you're joining us on behalf of your partnership with USA, the official NFL Salute to Service partner. Tell us about it. Uh, you know, for me, just UC, uh, USA has, you know, truly been amazing. Um, and, you know, just kind of highlighting uh, all the military service, you know, throughout the whole entire world, but also just, you know, all the military service um, within my family and, you know, mainly my father and um, just being able to kind of reflect on certain characteristics um, that I've, you know, been able to uh, gain you know, probably over my past couple of years and but also my whole entire life um, has been truly amazing. And, you know, certain things, um, you know, like discipline and just accountability and just, you know, my true work ethic um, has been something that has been highlighted um, on my day to day basis. And, you know, something that I give thanks to my father, um, who certain things that he installed with me you know, pretty much my whole entire life. You have 12 family members that have served in the military. That's correct, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect for uh, for Texas A&M, obviously, you know, <laughs> um, certainly. Um, that's awesome. Um, and San Antonio really is, I, I lived, my wife and I met in San Antonio, lived there for a long time. The, the military feel to it is is really prominent. So I can certainly understand how that played a huge role in your life. Would you say that, mm -hmm. that San Antonio and, and the culture within it and the military aspect of it kind of went along those lines as well? Yes, I would definitely say that. And, you know, pretty much everyone who has, um, you know, been in the military and my family has, you know, lived or went through San Antonio. And, um, you know, my dad and, you know, even um, all my relatives have been stationed, you know, different places, you know, not just in this country, but around the world. Um, but, you know, pretty much everyone lives here in San Antonio and has been stationed here. So, um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of uh, culture has definitely been passed through and, you know, down the lines uh, all the way to my dad and then to me um on you know certain characteristics and like I uh, talked about earlier about just kind of how I carry myself um and just pretty much how I do everything um on a daily day basis 
Right. So um, obviously, you know, you're a Reagan Rattler once upon a time. That feels like yesterday. Uh, do you do you look back at maybe your time in College Station, your time at Reagan, your time at IMG, and just kind of like you wonder maybe you blinked and, and now you're here, you're a couple of days away from the NFL draft. Does it feel like it went by that fast? Uh, it, it really did. And, you know, I still I even go back to just, uh, you know, Bush Middle School and just really elementary school. And, um, you know, sometimes even with San Antonio, you know, people, um, they don't realize, you know, that certain things are, you know, achievable um, if, you know, you just continue to work hard. And um, obviously some people are, you know, blessed with certain talents, but I think just with uh, the city of San Antonio, um, it's definitely a, a hidden kind of gem uh, with, you know, a bunch of talent and, um, you know, not just me within this draft, but, you know, there's a couple of other guys. And I think um, each and every year we're able to kind of shed light on the city of San Antonio. So, um, you know, I definitely look back at, you know, pretty much every every stage that I've been at. Um, and, you know, just looking back now, um, you know, we're a couple of days away from the draft and um, definitely all the work that I put in at each school um, that I've been at is uh, definitely going to come true. Yeah, I think, you know, following your career this whole time, it you know, work is, is kind of a common theme and, and you really just kind of grind and get work done. And I feel like, you know, we, we've heard so much about the other quarterbacks in this draft class and things they've done and whatever, but you've just you've been quiet. Is, is that been kind of how you wanted to go about it and just just kind of keep your head down and get to this week, get to this point and then let the chips fall where they may and, and kind of, you know, follow your career wherever it ends up taking you? Yeah. And, you know, I believe, like you said, the, the chips are going to fall exactly where they may. And, um, you know, there's no reason to stress, um, you know, about, you know, certain quarterbacks going higher than me or, you know, or anything like that. Um, you know, I've always talked about, you know, after this draft, you know, rankings are going to, you know, pretty much be going to the dust. And so um, it just pretty much matters whatever you do, whenever you get to your NFL team, um, you're going to, no matter where you get drafted, you're going to have to go in and have success. And, you know, rankings um, from your draft are, are never going to matter. So, um, you know, that's just kind of the way I look at it. And, you know, I think whatever team is going to draft me, I think are going to be, you know, really fortunate to have, you know, a phenomenal person, but also a phenomenal football player. What's it like within your circle of friends and your family? Because in, you're not born to this. You played at, you know, at the best school in the world, if we're being honest. Uh, but but big time college football, obviously. So like, you know, they're they're familiar with your name being in the news. They, you know, things like that. And so all this, like, do, do your family, do your friends, do they send you articles, somebody like who's studying your tape and things like that. And yeah. maybe it's maybe it's sending you stuff like, oh, this person has it totally wrong. Like, is, is that, I mean, I have to imagine it's a really weird process to go through as a human being. Yeah, um, you know, a lot a lot of, I would say, friends and, you know, more high school friends, they definitely send me, you know, certain articles or whether it's me or speaking about other quarterbacks, um, right. you know, pretty much through my whole entire college career. And definitely, I'm probably say the back half, you know, I tried to stay um, away from, you know, certain articles and just um, sometimes social media in general. Um, but, you know, I think just one, just me being able to be with my family on draft night, um, you know, some people are going to have uh, more anxiety than others. But I think especially me and my dad, we're going to probably be the more chill ones, um, just pretty much waiting for my name to get called. So uh, I saw on your Instagram story, you congratulated Justin Jefferson on his, um, you know, his Fortnite thing and everything. It's, it's a little bit below. I'm class of 2012. So I'm you know, a little bit disconnected from all that. Uh, but. Um, I would, I think all my friends, at least that I went to school with, would kill me if I didn't ask you about the LSU game. I know it's, you know, way in the rearview mirror you've talked about it. I talked to Jay Sternberger about this when he was coming out as well. Mm. And something something he told me about that game, because I know you've been asked about the knee and everything a thousand times. But he said, he said that the only time in his life that he has ever asked somebody what time it was, like the actual time on the clock, was during <laughs> that game. Um, it's like, do you share that? Because I, I have to imagine that you had to have this, like, 
what like it, it was just this state of confusion the entire time yeah i mean it was it was definitely um a, a crazy night i would say um you know seven overtimes is obviously ridiculous you know it, it got to a point where i would just truly i was you know i wasn't even you know celebrating after touchdown <laughs> it was just Hey, whatever, whatever the other team does, you know, I'm, I'm going to just match them. And then whoever wins, who is whoever's going to win. And that's when we'll celebrate. Um, so, you know, it got to, you know, four and five overtimes and, you know, I would just, hey, whatever, whatever the team needed me to do, I was just going to execute, um, convert on third down and score. And so, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't, you know, at a certain point, I wasn't even celebrating. I was just whatever, whatever the team needed me to do. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely, uh, it was pretty ridiculous. And I remember asking certain people, you know what time it was after the game and uh it was just it was a ridiculous night let's just say that that's awesome you get you gave us all a, a memory we'd really been rooting for for a long time so i appreciate it um couple last ones for you you're so close to this process being over and you sound really level-headed and, and like you haven't let it get to you the way other people have before um but if you could go back to i don't know december and give yourself a piece of advice about this process what would you tell yourself back to december uh that's a taylor swift song by the way back to december uh but <laughs> uh but yeah if you're talking to yourself because you've been through all this now right like you've, you've spoken to all these teams you've had pro days you've done whatever so like before all that started now that you yourself because you got advice from a thousand people i imagine but now mm -hmm. that you've been through it what would you go back and tell yourself honestly i wouldn't i, I don't necessarily know if i have any advice for myself and um i think just one of the biggest things that i been able to carry through this whole entire entire time is just you know be 100 authentic you know i think a lot of times you know whether it's you know quarterbacks or different people um they go in and try to you know paint this image you know that they're they not necessarily are um and so i think just with me whether it's through interviews or meetings or um pretty much anything that i do on the field i'm just going to be 100 authentic and you know if you love just the person that i am and the player that i am then you know you're going to draft me and you know if not then you know you know that's exactly how it needs to be i guess um but you know like i said i'm gonna i'm gonna be truly blessed and you know whatever team um drafts me um i'm 100 i'm sure that they're gonna be truly blessed as well well that's my last question then is whenever you're not whenever i mean it's a couple days from now you're drafted <laughs> we're gonna go back and we're gonna play what i'm about to say for that team whatever team is we don't know right now but so right now you're talking to your future team what do you want my dog it may be my dog's name is bear maybe it's the best who knows uh, but um, you're you're talking right now to your future team. What do you want them to know about Kellen Mond and what their team has just gotten by drafting you? Just one, um, I think you're able to kind of separate, you know, one, the player that I am on the field, but also off the field. And I think, um, you know, one, we a lot of guys talk about, you know, people who have, you know, never been in trouble and are able to um, be great uh, representatives of the organization. And obviously we know um, the quarterback position is gonna be, you know, pretty much the face of that whole entire franchise. Uh, so I think just one me, me being able to be a phenomenal person and um, just really being able to carry myself like a professional is going to be huge. And then, you know, you look at my intangibles on the field, one from, um, you know, my experience, you know, my knowledge and then just my, you know, overall ability to just, you know, be a phenomenal quarterback. I think I have those exact um, intangibles as well. So I think just one being able to, you know, be a professional on, you know, all phases of, um, you know, a quarterback and being in the NFL. Um, is going to be what makes me truly a phenomenal player. That's awesome. That's well said. So uh, whoever just heard that, I'm sure they're very excited now to have you on their team. I've been watching Texas A&M football a long time. My freshman year, Gerard Johnson was the quarterback. <laughs> and uh, and Kellen, 
you're one of the very best uh, to stroll through the AM program. So thank you for what you did for Aggies Everywhere. You gave us a lot of incredible memories. We're all rooting for you. I think all people are rooting for you, mm -hmm. not just Aggies, just you're a great story. Uh, so very excited to see where you end up. Uh, wishing you the absolute best. Thank you so much. And seriously, what you're doing with USA is so awesome. Keep it up. San Antonio's behind you. Really rooting for you, Kellen. Congratulations on everything so far. And what's Appreciate here. you for having me. Thank you. You know, Stats, obviously, there are going to be at least five quarterbacks who go in the first round tonight. Maybe <laughs> Kellen slips or Kyle Trask slips into the end. Um, you know, football, so much of it comes back to finances, as you well know. Maybe a team likes him enough. They want that fifth-year option on him. We, we, we started talking about Teddy Bridgewater earlier. I mean, that's what happened to him when Minnesota traded up in 2014. That fifth year can go a long way um, if you, you know, if you ultimately hit, which is obviously the idea when it comes to Kellen Mond. But as, as anxious as I am to see Kellen get drafted, do not ever take a quarterback in the second round. BLG and I have discussed this. That's the worst possible move that you can make as an NFL franchise. So um, take him in the first round or try to try to throw a dart later on. That's the really only practical way of, of acquiring a quarterback. I totally agree with you. It's especially if you have an early second round pick, it's not going to cost you that much to move up into the bottom of the first round. And that extra year with the quarterback, as you said, is invaluable to a team. He's in sort of a weird place, RJ, because like there's some people like Chris Sims loves Kellen Mond, loves him, says his mechanics are flawless. He absolutely loves him. And I feel like he hasn't gotten the deep kind of scrutiny that Justin Fields and Trey Lance and the guys at the top of the draft have gotten. It's sort of been like, yeah, he's here and somebody's going to take him, but he hasn't had to face that same criticism. I think that's what happens when you're kind of QB six going into the group, right? <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, um, and it's strange because, you know, he's played big time college football. A&M had a great season last year. Uh, they beat Florida and Kyle Pitts, no big deal. Um, and, you know, he's been there forever. I mean, like I said, he started a thousand games almost. I mean, you know, being a little facetious here. But so it is strange that that nobody really has, has kind of, you know, and I think it's just a matter of, of kind of slipping through the cracks. And I think that's a good thing. Like, I, I think that that happens sometimes. And um, you're right. Like, he, he doesn't get, like, Twitter attacked the way a lot of these other quarterbacks do and have his flaws exposed or whatever. Some of these guys, probably I would say one to two are going to be good, these quarterbacks. The rest are probably not going to be good. But there is no, there's nothing to say that Kellen Mond can't be one of those guys. If you go back and look at the history of the draft, usually the first quarterback drafted is not the best quarterback from that draft class. NFL history has shown, I think Cam in 2011 was the best quarterback from his class. And there was a, wow. the EJ Manuel No Manuel respect year. to Jake Locker. Wow. Sorry, Jake. Uh, the, the EJ Manuel year was just awful. Like none of there was no best quarterback cause they all stunk. But most of the time, the first quarterback taken is not the best one. And so if you team drafts Kellen Mond, if they sneak up in the bottom of the first round, there's no reason to think that he won't end up as the best. Like we all act like we know, and all these guys are going to be good, but that's just not the reality of the situation. That was the 2011 draft. That was 10 years ago. But like looking back just five years ago, right? So like the life of a rookie contract, if you're a, a first round draft pick, uh, this is an article from SBNation.com uh, back in February. Shout out to James Detour who wrote it. Uh, he ranked uh, the quarterbacks from the class of 2016 in the fallout of the Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are going to get traded stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, number one, Dak Prescott, who was a fourth round pick to that point. That's why like if you're not going to take a first rounder, just throw a dart. Pray to God you get lucky. Uh, number two, Carson Wentz, which kind of speaks to the quality of this class behind Dak Prescott. N <laughs> number three, Jared Goff. Number four, Jacoby Brissett. Um, and tied for number five, 
Brandon Allen, Jeff Driscoll, Jake Rudock, and Nate Sudfeld. It's incredibly difficult to land a quarterback in general. Um, the stat that everybody loves to float around is like, what is it? Stats like the last number one overall pick to win a Super Bowl as a quarterback. Um, the last two, I think, were Peyton and Eli. And so it's it's tough. And a lot of that is is unfair to quarterbacks, but it's just the reality when when you play that position. That's totally fair. It has not worked out, and you, it's inarguable. Give me your own production stats. Give me give me something bold that you think happens tonight. This is the last time. This is this is it. Like you gotta you gotta hang some onion. Like this is it. <laughs> you are on the clock yourself. I don't want like Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded. No, I want something bold. Something that makes you know makes me kind of sit back and and want to run away from this computer because it's so screeching hot. I think that no defensive players go in the first ten picks. How's that? That's never happened before in the history of the draft. I don't think that's bold at all because that makes so much logical sense. So, but I guess you don't have Dallas taking a defensive player. It's never happened before in the history of the draft. How is it not bold? Yeah, that well, is sriracha four, bold. Four quarterbacks have never gone in the first four picks, yet there is a heavy possibility of that happening tonight too. So that's what I'm saying. Like it, it was bold like before you know all of this was kind of set in motion, but like it. You're all you're doing with the with your bold prediction is tipping over the the first domino after we all lined them up. You know, come on, stats, and it's one of those cool dominoes that like makes a picture. You know what I'm saying? But still, it's just barely touching the first domino. Don't Stretch you always to- say, "Don't bet against history," right? Like you're I telling me, that. right? The history of the quarterbacks. Most of the time, you trade up mm. for it; they don't work out. I give you a prediction that has never happened before in the history of the draft they've been doing the draft since like the late 60s the common draft era begins it's never happened you say it's not bold enough what would i have to say that kellen mond is going to be drafted first overall like what would have been bold enough for you all right uh, let me show you how it's done stats um so i'm going to set the over under at three and a half of trades within the top 15 picks which is really theoretically picks four through 15 because trades aren't happening at one, two or three. So I'm really, really specifically calling my shot. I will take the over. And so like, uh, like, you know, one trade is one trade. It doesn't count as two trades. If it's obviously got two teams involved, one trade is one trade. I think I will take the over on three and a half trades happening within the top. Actually, I'll stretch it out to 16, the top half of the draft. So you've obviously got Atlanta making a move at four. Atlanta makes a move. I think Detroit maybe bumps out. Um, and some of, some of these could like hurt me if new England's one of the teams that jumps up. Right. Cause like that, you know, that would affect that. Um, I think the chargers could get frisky if one of the tackles decides to fall. I think Minnesota could jump up if the, if one of the tackles starts to fall, but I think Atlanta, I think Carolina, I think Detroit, I think even Denver are now spots to all trade out. And that's four spots right there. One team I think it could be a sneaky mover I think the Saints if one of the quarterbacks starts to fall I do not put it past the Saints to try and jump up and kickstart the post Drew Brees era sorry Taysom Hill sorry famous Jameis I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Saints moved up and stole somebody you know what's going to happen now now that you've poked the bear of the universe is Trey Lance the quarterback you interviewed and had a great time with he's going to wind up the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints and he's going to torture you forever because you hate them it's entirely possible, and that would be torture. Well, it's only torture if if the 49ers pick a quarterback doesn't work out. Like, if both teams end up with a good quarterback, okay. But if the 49ers mm. botch it and end up in a decade of misery, which very well could happen, P.S., as you so nicely reminded me last <laughs> night, this is the message I get from RJ last night. You realize 
this is the last time you could be totally happy with your team for the next <laughs> decade. Yeah, thanks a lot, you jerk. <laughs> well, I knew you were heading to bed soon, so I just wanted to, you know, kind of set the stage. I wanted you to contemplate everything. I mean, that's that's what being a fan is all about, right? Like towing the line between absolute misery and utter joy. And so that being said, I want this to be my last question before the draft begins tonight. If the 49ers draft Mac Jones, because everybody has heard your takes on him for a long time, how will you feel? I will be disappointed, but I have to have faith in Kyle Shanahan. And at least until the season starts, I'm going to assume that he knows what he's doing because he's not going to have played between now and when the season starts. So I might as well be happy in that interim period and assume, hey, this guy must be good enough because we gave up a king's ransom to go get him. All right. I'm super pumped. He is on Twitter at stats on fire. Uh, He might be on fire tonight, literally and proverbially. It very well could happen. You will hear, not only will you hear a scream from me, you will hear a scream from all the Niners Nation guys because all of us either want Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Nobody wants Mac Jones, and I think people's heads will explode. Enjoy the draft tonight. Again, we hope you enjoy it with us. SB Nation Twitter page, SB Nation Facebook page, live draft. Everybody's into the pool for this thing, and we want to talk with you. So we'll get your comments going. We'll have analysts from every team. It's going to be a ton of fun. RJ, I cannot wait, and I will see you later tonight, my friend.